Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. This is a podcast where we read an inspirational quote from AA literature in the hope that it'll provide inspiration. We also interview members of the recovery community and provide examples of experience, strength, and hope. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. Today is January 17th, and Lee M. from Leesburg, Virginia is back. In this episode, she turns the tables on me and interviews me on the Daily Reflection for today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Lee, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. So glad to be here. It's great to have you back. So today we're going to do the Daily Reflection for the day. Uh, Would you like to read it for us? Yeah, so Mike, I've been thinking, um, I think we need to hear from you. I'm going to do a little little switcheroo on you if it's okay. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I think what we're going to do is have you read the Daily Reflection, and then I'd like to to interview you if it's okay with you. You're going to let me take over. Uh, Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Let's, uh, Let's see how this works. You're a good sport. All right. So if you would read the Daily Reflection. All right. Today is January 17th. Happiness comes quietly. The trouble with us alcoholics was this. We demanded that the world give us happiness and peace of mind in just the particular order we wanted to get it, by the alcohol route. And we weren't successful. But when we take time to find out some of the spiritual laws and familiarize ourselves with them and put them into practice, then we do get happiness and peace of mind. There seem to be some rules that we have to follow, but happiness and peace of mind are always here, open and free to anyone. That's from Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, page 308. The simplicity of the AA program teaches me that happiness isn't something I can demand. It comes upon me quietly while I serve others. In offering my hand to the newcomer or to someone who has relapsed, I find that my own sobriety has been recharged with indescribable gratitude and happiness. I, you know, I read these daily reflections and I've become intimately familiar with so many of them. And it's, it's almost like it's divinely inspired. When I read them, I automatically connect to some piece of it. And for this one, happiness does, it comes quietly and slowly and it demands patience, right? Yeah. So what this means to me is the thing that, that really jumped out at me as I was reading it. I, I almost got a little choked up there is that it's not something I can demand. And as an alcoholic, I demand things like I am. <laughs> I want things when I want them and I want more of them. Anything that gives me, you know, anything close to happiness, not joy. Joy and happiness are two different things. I'm curious for you, what's the difference between joy and happiness? You know, I, I just learned this and it was described to me as, you know, happiness is this temporary state we achieve from time to time because of you know, the temporary things that are happening in our life, but joy is, is more permanent. That's great. It's, it's like, I almost hear you saying joy is sort of a state of being as opposed to happiness, which is a fleeting feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. So how have you, because I think all of us alcoholics chase that, that happiness feeling, right? That's, we don't like discomfort. We're going to drink over it. We're going to feel happy. So as sober, as a sober alcoholic, as you catch yourself chasing that happiness from time to time, because you just said, I still feel that way. What's the course of action? Uh, I am a workaholic and 
those things, they give me that temporary low level form of happiness and I have to catch myself. And a great tool for that is the, is the 10th step. Am I being selfish in, in this pursuit of happiness? Am I thinking of no one else but myself? And I have to catch myself. I use the 10th step app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a great tool. Uh, you know, you open this little app and it runs you through a, a series of questions. And uh, it's so revealing to, to continually ask yourself these very same questions every day. And at the end of it, you get this little percentage. You know, how, how well am I implementing the principles? How well am I practicing this program? And so often it's, you know, 40%. And I got to look at that, look at my behaviors. And do I, do I need to make some adjustments? Do I need to make an apology? And that's the program. That is the program. Exactly. I think what you're talking about is a day by day implementation of what this program teaches us to do. So it is progress, not perfection. Spot on. I love that. I love that. And I, I love the fact that we're never done. Right. I mean, we always get to work on ourselves. And I heard you say in so many words, I have an awareness today of the difference between happiness and joy. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I didn't realize I even said it, but I, I believe that I, I do. Yeah. So I feel like the program has given me this perspective and, you know, it's a beautiful thing to, to be able to have this, this new level of awareness around, you know, not only how am I behaving, but how am I impacting the world and others, right? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, it's the juice, as we've said. Love that. That's, that's where it is. Yeah. Um, so how are you using your sponsor in this journey or in this piece of the journey? So the acknowledgement of what am I chasing here? Oof. That's a tough one because, you know, I just had this conversation with my sponsor and, you know, he's going to listen to this. <laughs> um, I have to be honest, I don't call my sponsor enough. I mean, it's down to once every two weeks or even less. And um, I think that's largely because, you know, we travel in different sobriety networks and different recovery networks. He's got a, a strong program and goes to a lot of meetings that I don't go to. Um, but I do try and, and call him on a regular basis. And um, I guess to answer your question about how am I using my sponsor, he is a, a phenomenal sounding board and he is very different in terms of his personality. Um, and I want to grow in, in the direction that he, you know, he exists. I wrote about him in that, in that article I just put on the, on the website. That was an incredible story that you posted. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, thanks. And thank you for your honesty about your level of communication with your sponsor right now. And I think that's normal. I think we, we go in phases with communication with our sponsors and also even with our network, like certain people step up and take center stage sometimes in our lives more than others. Um, at least I found that to be true for me. I talk to my sponsor two or three times a week, some weeks, and then I may go several weeks without talking to her at all. But you do have a network and you're very active in in meetings. So how does your network of men play into your day-to-day joy versus happiness seeking? Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you asked me that because really my network is my surrogate sponsor and I have a really strong network of of men that I kind of travel with. We go to the same meetings and 
you know, um, Louis, who appeared on this, uh, he was on the first episode. Uh, I kind of, I mean, I don't call him my sponsor, but he's the closest thing to a co-sponsor that, that I have. And, uh, he's, uh, he's got a huge part in, in my recovery. We talk probably more. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say we talk more than I talk with my sponsor, but, um, how do they, how does my network and, and those, how do those folks play a part in, um, in that happiness chase, I guess? Well, I mean, I think it's, first of all, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're wondering how the sponsor sponsee relationship works, you know, you rely and you trust and you open up and it's not an easy thing to do for an alcoholic, but, um, it's a thing that saved my life, I think. Uh, <clears throat> so when I have situations that, you know, I don't quite know how to deal with, I'll pass them by this network and, you know, I'll typically call, I'll call Gene or, you know, I'll leave a voicemail and then my next call is to, to Louie or one of the other men in my network. And I was told early on, you should have at least five numbers, uh, in your phone of people who you're comfortable with calling and you're not going to be comfortable right out of the gate, right? It's not something that a lot of alcoholics can do easily, but when you practice that, when you practice opening up and reaching out to others and um, what happens is they become sort of a surrogate morality or surrogate brain. And, um, you know, I get, I get the best advice from these men because they're also practicing the program and they have a slightly different perspective on things. You know, they have different family situations and, you know, it's uh wow. I mean, this, these things, these are the things that people that are on the outside of the, the program of recovery that I, I think, man, get in it, get, do these things because these are the nuggets. This is like you said, the juice. I mean, my life is so good because of these things. My sponsor still tells me I'm in early sobriety, even though I uh, just celebrated nine years. So <laughs> compared to her, I'll never be as old as she is in sobriety. So we're always learning, but in early recovery, what would you tell to a newcomer with regard to doing a program? Number one is the contact. Connections are so, so valuable, so important. You can't do this on your own. You can't do it without a higher power. That's of your own choosing, your own, uh, you know, your own decision about what your higher power looks like. But um, the whole reason that I was in the shape that I was in was because I was trying to do everything on my own. And what AA and the program of recovery gave me was connection to other people. The opposite of addiction is connection, right? And uh, so I guess the, the advice I would have uh, is get used to picking up the phone. And here's a little trick. If you, if you struggle with that, stop thinking about it and just do it. And I used to run these things, you know, the conversation in my head, I would say, I'm going to pick up the phone and call this guy. And it's going to be so weird. And he's going to say this, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to feel weird. And I'm going to think about it and I'm going to pause and I'm not going to know what to say. And all these little stories ran around in my head. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that they want to hear from you. The, the other person on the other line, other end of the line wants to hear from you because it's when they, when you call them, you might think you're only asking for help, but you're actually giving help too, because it, I'll, I'll put it on, on me. When I get a call from a sponsor or somebody that's in early recovery and, you know, they, they say, you know, maybe what's on their mind or something, um, it forces me to look at my program and look at my experience and, and share that. And that, that is helpful for me. It's almost like, I'm being progressively immersed in the program over and over and over again. And it works into my mind. And that's, 
that's how I think that's how the program has really taken hold of me. And the other thing is this, this, this constant overthinking, I'm, I'm guilty of it for sure. But what happens is it's a thought loop and thinking is the problem with most alcoholics. I think about it and the thought creates more thoughts and the, the more thoughts I have, the less action I'm taking. So stop thinking so much and just pick up the phone and call. And, and here's a little tip about what to say. Say, how are you? You know, just pick up the phone and say, how are you doing? And the, the conversation will go from there. That's, that's lovely advice. I have a friend in the program that says, don't think about it, just count it down. Mm. So she says, four, three, two, one, call. <laughs> I love and it. she just calls and doesn't think about it. I've used it. It works. That's great. Mike, what in this reading, it said that happiness comes slowly, but it's always here, open and free to anyone. In what ways happiness and peace of mind is what it said, happiness mm. and peace of mind. Tell us today, how is happiness and peace of mind showing up in your life? And how has your life changed as a result of the, the work yeah. and the stepping out of your comfort zone that you've done for the past bunch of years? Well, the first thing I want to say is that what, what came to mind when I read that is that happiness and peace of mind is always there. I believe that inside of us, there's there's a, a, a seed, and that is the seed of the, the tree that we were meant to be, and and that that's our, our true essence. And I believe that my higher power wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. And it's up to me to clear away everything that is not that, right? That is not part of that true essence of, of my being. And what happens is life clouds, you know, when we get involved in in life and we uh we we end up exercising our defects of character because it's it's how we're trained it's part of our environment when we were raised for me i'll just keep it in me uh, i learned ways of being that were not helpful to myself or, or the people around me so so i i lead my life and i exercise these defects of character and what i believe is that the universe the power in the universe that i call my higher power is is always with me and always around me. And uh, when I'm acting in my defects of character without a program of recovery, without principles, I create vibrational frequencies. It's going to sound a little woo-woo, but stay with me for a moment. I, I vibrate at a, at a frequency that puts me in conflict with those around me, and I'm not in touch. And that manifests itself in I, I'm unable to look people in the eye and I'm unable to have conversations and I'm constantly thinking about what I did and what I said and, and me, 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 all these thoughts about myself. And what happens is, you know, when I come into recovery and I learn the program, which teaches me that I need to rely on this higher power, I need to turn my life and my will over, and I need to, to start thinking about other people before I think of myself, I begin to vibrate at a frequency that's in harmony with the universe. And I vibrate at the same frequency of the people I'm with in the meeting. And it's almost like I, I can feel that energy. And uh, that is happiness for me. So That's beautiful. Mm. I don't think it was woo-woo at all. I like it. And it's, it's relatable. I know that feeling of vibrating at the same frequency as as everyone around you and everything. And it attracts to us all those things that we wanted when we were out there drinking, all the stuff we were chasing. 
now seems to flow effortlessly toward us. Love that. I yeah, I do too. So talk to me about the stuff. Hmm. How has life changed on a granular level for you? One of the difficult things that that um, kept me from really making dramatic changes uh, really prior to hitting my bottom was that things looked okay from the outside. Like I had a great job. I was making a lot of money. You know, my wife was still in my life and my kids were still there and, uh, and things looked kind of okay from the outside. So it wasn't really until I hit bottom that I started to, to really realize that it didn't really matter what things looked like. It, it, the thing that really mattered was what I felt like. And that was really bad. I did hit bottom and, uh, was, you know, given the gift of, of that desperation. And, um, you know, now looking back, um, some things look similar. I have a great job today, you know, from the outside, but what's different is I truly love what I do. And, you know, I, I have deep, deep relationships with people and, you know, in terms of stuff, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good material wealth in my life. I live a life of abundance, but it's the good things. Like it's things that I, that really matter. It's not just the, the car, the, the job, the wife, the, it's, you know, it's what they mean to me and how they make me feel. Those things didn't really make me feel good in the past because I wasn't grateful about them. And today I am, that's, that's a major difference. And, you know, I, I just feel so blessed that, uh, my career has gone in a really different direction and I've been given the opportunity to, to do things that I never would have dreamed of until I got sober. And when I got sober and I began to feel like, um, these are the things that I want in my life. And these are, this is the way I want my life to be. And I started to envision it. I started to visualize what life could possibly be like. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm not saying this is magic, but it's, I think it's daring to visualize really good things for yourself and not being focused on the outcome, but being focused on helping others and, and just moving toward a place where you're going to be helpful to others. What I heard you say was, yeah, I've gotten some awesome stuff, but it's not the stuff that matters. It's the connection to the people, to the job, to the wife, to the friends, to the program that matters to you. And I felt the emotion. Yeah. I felt the gratitude. Mm. Yeah, it's there. And I understand that feeling because I'm right mm. there with you. Out in the world when we were drinking, we were never authentic. Mm. And today it's pure authenticity and that feeling of my heart is welling up with gratitude and it's coming out my mm, eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's the, yeah, it's great. It's God, you know, it's God pounding on your heart, but what else do you want to share? My, yeah. What I really want people to come away from this with is the possibility. And if you're willing to, to dive into this program and work these steps into your life and practice them every day. I know you know the impact that this podcast is having in such a short time because you can see the likes and the comments and the calls and the texts. I I don't know that you really fully absorb the 
enormity of what what you're doing and and I know that you just kind of thought to do it one day and here you are doing it and it's it's the gift of sobriety I found that it's really not even about us it's never we're not sober to have the stuff or the happiness or any of the stuff we're we're sober to help others and you're doing that and you're doing it on a massive scale and I just want to tell you for myself, but I know on behalf of everyone listening that um, we are grateful to you. I'm so grateful. Thank so you. grateful to be able to do it. And thank you for saying that. But I'll turn it right back on you, Lee. You've been amazingly helpful to me. And, um, you know, I, I said this earlier today, I, I really believe that it's, it's divine. Like there's, you know, when you, when you make a commitment, when you set your mind to something, the universe conspires to, to help you put it together. And uh, I believe that that's absolutely what's happening. I believe it too. And uh, I think the universe is just an ever expanding growth producing life producing place and it will do anything it can to help us help others live and grow and, and give back. And thank you for allowing me to be of service here with you. And it's so much fun. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks very much, Lee. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. You can join us online. We've got a blog where we publish articles about recovery. You can find that at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. Have a great day, everyone.